Again, ladies and gentlemen, we ask you, please, please do not call us to ask what is the matter. We are endeavoring to find out ourselves. We know nothing now. We are watching our wires. Hi, everyone. This is episode 33 of the Near Future Laboratory podcast, which is a special Near Future Laboratory bulletin, which is where we pull a little nugget together that seems quite topical and relevant, you know, just like an old-fashioned news bulletin, which is weird because we're living in an era where everything seems to be a flashy news bulletin. Okay, here's the story. A couple of weeks ago, a member of uh, the Near Future Laboratory Discord, Michelle Kasperzak, shared a report on the non-fungible token market. It was a report that she participated in and was commissioned and funded by the government of Canada, specifically Canadian Heritage, which is this wonderful sounding department of the government of Canada that has roles and responsibilities related to you know initiatives that promote and support Canadian identity and values, cultural development, and heritage. So cool. It's actually super cool that they are the vanguard of culture in the sense that they have the foresight and the budget to commission a report on NFTs, of all things. And it's even cooler because it's what I would describe as a balanced and largely free of zealotry kind of report. It was also done in collaboration with OCAD University, which is Canada's oldest and largest art and design and digital media university, cultural policy center there at OCAD, and the evocative sounding Super Ordinary Lab at OCAD, which looks at emerging technologies to understand their social significance. Whoa, Canada, cool. I mean, these are so many things that make me think and feel like uh, the Near Future Laboratory wants to be a part of all of this. Okay, the second report Michelle shared almost accidentally couples with that report, and it's titled Ethical Engagement with NFTs, Impossibility or Viable Aspiration, and that appears on Makery Media. I'll have links in the show notes uh, below. There's no below here. What are you talking about? This is, you're listening. <laughs> There'll be links in the show notes. So as soon as Michelle shared these, I wanted to get into them, but I wanted to get into them with her. So I asked her if she'd meet up uh, so we could just skim the surface of these reports to kind of highlight top level insights and perspectives and then point people to them because I think they're relevant and topical and open up the conversation around NFTs and all that whatever and how what's going on and so confusing and going to safely ruin everything unless they are the best thing since candy canes and Friday afternoons. No one really knows. Okay, let's keep this tight. Here we go with Michelle Kasperzak and NFT stuff. The report? The OCAD one, Decrypting mm-hmm. Medium, a report on the NFT marketplace, um, which yeah. is, uh, I mean, it, it just, it's nice and thorough. Right. Which is yeah. refreshing. It's a, it's a little bit like, okay, so yes, um, in the, in the kind of academic sense, like, let's do 16 pages on our research methods. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever I, I mean it's about like that I love it it's uh it, it, I was re- I was actually reading it and then I was like you know what I'm just I'm not I'm gonna skip this I'm gonna go to section four <laughs> which I'm really fascinated by. hopefully broken it up into these sections yeah 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 I, I trust the research framework I'm not gonna I'm not gonna quibble about it although no yeah it's fun to read about but I want to get into this a view from the future well first of all maybe can you set the context? So what is the report and, and how did you get involved in it? Yeah, so Canadian Heritage, which is a part of government, um, commissioned OCAD University to make this report. Obviously, they're trying to get to grips with what are NFTs and should Canadian Heritage care? I mean, Canadian Heritage worries about a lot of uh, things, usually physical things. So they were looking to get some 
thought leadership, you could say, on you know what they should think about this. Um, and uh, so they convened a group of people who happened to be Canadian, uh, not necessarily living in Canada, but somehow involved with the Canadian art market and art scene to consult with them, um, just asking, you know, you know, what should we, yeah, what should we think about this? Um, what is the potential for artists? You know, um, is this something that uh, could, you know, hold a lot of potential to transform the uh, Canadian art market such as it is? Um, and, you know, and what are the implications? So, yeah, we got together and the um, the meeting was held under the Chatham House rule. So nobody gets uh, directly uh, attributed to any one comment. It's kind of nice. It helps people speak a little more freely. Um, the group was really interesting. Some artists, some people very involved in crypto galleries and, and curating crypto art and things like this and NFTs, crypto art, what's that? NFTs. Um, and, uh, and then me, who just happens to be somebody involved in a kind of more research and commentary kind of role. And um, yeah, it was really interesting. We did a, a workshop over Zoom and we had a really uh, wonderful time just talking about all of the various um, scenarios that that could evolve. And we looked kind of in two main directions. It was, you know, what if this really takes off? What are the implications? You know, and then it was like, what if this really flops? What are the implications, you know, for the for the future? And, and we divided into groups and kind of one group took on, it's going to flop and another group took on, it's going to it's going to soar, you know, divided, divided or, or self-selected was it, was it? No, they divided us. So it was just kind of, a, I think, meant to be a bit random. Yeah. 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 And, and I was in the, it's going to soar group. Whoops. That's like maybe revealing too much. <laughs> I don't know, but I was in the, it's going to soar group. And, and yeah, it was really nice because even though we, we were there talking about how it was going to, you know, become this, this, this great thing, um, you know, and in the other group too, you know, like it was amazing the kind of synchronicity, even though we were looking at different types of scenarios, you know, it's going to go well or it's not going to go well. Um, the, the concerns kind of aligned, you know, nonetheless, you know, about, you know, potential environmental problems, potential, uh, you know, artists going broke, trying to make money on this and spending all their money on gas fees and inequality just getting entrenched by, you know, if you're not already a player, it's too late. You know, for example, like people getting the, the feeling they've already missed the boat. Um, so this was, you know, something that we discussed really, really openly. And, you know, it's funny because even though, you know, we were all, I would say, pretty pro NFT and pro artist experimentation in this area. We all still like the entire group, just generally speaking, the whole group, generally speaking. Yeah, I think like nobody there was a was a, you know, I don't know, um, a total naysayer, a total, uh, you know. Uh, poo poo on the on the NFT idea or on crypto, um, but despite that, you know, we still had, came with a bag of concerns. You know, everybody still had kind of this, you know, this idea that well, we better, you know, still approach this with caution. And I think also the way that the questions were framed. I mean, it's really interesting to have a conversation that's so um, geographically based. You know, so the concern was really, what's this going to mean for Canada and Canadian right. artists? And it's just like. I don't know, because this thing doesn't localize in the way that you think it might, you know, so all the old um, strategies, all the old tactics of 
funding for arts comes from the nation state, you know, like, I mean, this is a little less in the American context where the national endowment is not as impactful on most artists as, for example, the Canada Council for the Arts might be on a Canadian artist or the Mondrian funds here in the Netherlands might be for a Dutch artist. But nonetheless, this kind of nation state arrangement has persisted over the years. I mean, just also look at the Venice Biennale, which continues to be this country model of, you know, who gets to represent what country and put forth their best cultural product of the year. Um, And this blows all of that kind of to smithereens. So it's, it's, you know, it's not really to say it, it could have an impact for Canadian artists is a bit of a, you know, the, the way you could kind of put a put a spin on it in a way is to say that, well, Canadians have always been technological innovators. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, it's a bit like Canadian comedians. They kind of go to America and hide out. <laughs> Canadian technologists do that too, but also a lot of them stay home and make some really cool things. And um, so we'll naturally be part of that, but, uh, you know, and part of crypto and of, of NFTs, but it's not, um, it's maybe not going to pan out in the way that they have always done it or the way that yeah. they think. So in the, in the report, um, so it's interesting to see how the, a bit about how the workshop was conducted. So the idea was that through this workshop, we'll get some sort of perspective and and you know expert or kind of culture um, expert insights into what it might look like in the future. Can you describe that? Like, what was the vision that kind of came out of that workshop? What is it described here as like NFT industry in twenty thirty? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I think there was a couple of different visions and and it was, you know, thinking about how, you know, the positive side of it being like, well, you know, some people, you know, could be totally lifted out of poverty and like, you know, escape the entire, you know, terrible art world elite uh, system where if you're not aligned with a powerful gallery or curator, you're, you're cut right out of the money um, of it. Um, And then other, other scenarios that, you know, were more worrying thinking about, you know, how, um, inequality will just be re-entrenched. I mean, we just see, like, we looked at the current scene and kind of thought, yeah, wow, it's really, like, it's really white, it's really male, you know? So, like, you know, what what does that bode for the future if that's the foundation that we're building on? And I think there was a lot of concerns around diversity and, and equality and thinking, okay, do people feel welcome? Is it going to be a welcoming space in 2030? You know, I mean... Um, maybe not if it continues to feel a little bro-y or if it also continues to feel a little gross for people to get involved. There's a kind of stigma. And we talked about this, this stigma that, you know, it's um, a lot of artists have, have felt this, you know, thinking, oh, ew, I'm doing something gross. You know, crypto is for bros and it's not for me. It's not cool. You know, it's kind of cool to a certain subset and not, you know, maybe in other circles, let's say. So interesting because the the report says so impact for art and art market, and then it sort of breaks down into these interesting categories. So like the roles, what does it mean for the artists, education, um, monetization, and its kind of relationship to art, which obviously is there, fraud and ethics, Mm. the actual technology, how that's going to evolve, the impact for the Canadian market and funding national yeah. NFT adoption, lots of tons of categories here where which were kind of touched on. Was there anything that kind of stood out to you? Were there certain aspects of it that 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 you felt were 
I guess, encouraging from a Canada art scene perspective, or just, I guess, generally, it doesn't have to just be Canadian. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what was encouraging was, was um, indeed, you know, seeing people um, uh, ab- like today, and I think that will continue, able to create a new income stream that could free them from, you know, from their McJobs, you know, like, so it's kind of like you're able to, to lift yourself um, to another level and really make a living as a creator. And there's a number of these stories, you don't have to look very far um, on, on Twitter and on Discord, people talking about, you know, how this is, has changed their, their material reality in a very short amount of time. Um, but I was on a panel at uh, Creative Coding Utrecht like a month ago, talking with some people and um, about this very phenomena. And one of the artists that was sitting next to me was, uh, you know, a sudden mil- multimillionaire because of uh, his work being on art blocks and, you know, just kind of taking off. And his reaction to it was really interesting. What he said was, he said, I, I took on more freelance work, not less. Mm-hmm because I wanted to stay kind of humble and also to remember that this is, you know, you know, it, it's, it's nice to have, but you know, who knows what's going to happen to this market. And I don't want to get uh, some kind of inflated ego. And I, I thought he was incredibly grounded and incredibly mm-hmm. uh, smart actually to just keep doing what he always did, at least for now, you know, it kind yeah. of made sense. It reminds me of the thing my dad always said, like, yeah, so the guy who wins the lottery and his job was like changing light bulbs in the, in the, in the basement of his building, he always says he's going to keep his light bulb changing job, but he never does. <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy, yeah, was the one who, the exception that yeah. uh, it was the role. Interesting. Right? So that, so in the, in the report, again, in this kind of NFTs 2030, the NFT SOAR group. So I guess that was the group that you were in with mm. other anonymous people. Um, <laughs> took on a utopian view of NFTs as their use continues to grow and thrive for the next eight years. For the most part, this was an easy task since all the experts in this group naturally see great potential in the technology. Okay. <laughs> However, even though the future looks bright, they did flag that the NFTs continued success would have two very bleak consequences. The first, a dramatic wealth and digital divide. And the second, a severe climate impact, including ecological disasters brought on by the profound reliance on high carbon producing processes. Um, and then the, and then, then there's a uh, little bit more detail on the, on the scenario. And then the NFT reverse group, mm. three folks more sober in their views, expert panels on NFTs is being wrought with challenges currently yet not disappearing or changing soon. They described a world where the use of NFT technology would instead fracture, evolve, refine, and change. And then go on to how they envisioned the 2030 uh, dystopian NFT future. What's interesting is that both groups are like, yeah, okay, it's going to be like a fractured kind of world. So yeah. the SOAR group was still like, yeah, there's going to be this digital you know, divide and the ecological consequences are real. And in a way, the NFT reverse groups have the same thing. Exactly. But so- we're just kind of viewing it with a different colored lens. Yeah, it's... I think, I think, you know, there's also so much that changes so quickly and also it came up again. Um, I, I, I was at the, at the strike festival in Eindhoven last week and it was, uh, I was chairing a, a, a group discussion, a therapy session actually called uh, crypto therapy for your mixed crypto feelings. And it was interesting because um, 
this also came up this the speed that at which things change and people feeling overwhelmed at like what to know what to know about what to what to even where to start you know and i think that's that's a common feeling that uh that i'm coming across is that people they don't know where to start they don't know the you know they might know the difference let's say between proof of work and proof of stake um but they don't yeah very few of us understand the real mathematical underpinning of those two mm -hmm. concepts let's say you know we understand it many of us can understand it metaphorically um but also it's then where do you go from there and there are now so many platforms and so many different um avenues that can create that creators can take so it it gets really complicated people feel very overwhelmed but i think um the fact that the two groups came up with these really similar um points you know i think it means that we're all actually on the same page and we all understand what the issues are which is a good sign so the people who are informed are in broad agreement about what what the issues are um the question is does it take a turn for the better or for the worse and i think you know, for example, there could be a scenario where, for you know, one of the things that came up in the report was the way that artists' work gets plagiarized, and this happens a lot on OpenSea and other places. And it, it's kind of not really; it just happens unchecked. You know, it's yeah. not really uh, monitored. Um, but then there are like rever reverse scenarios where something interesting happens. So, uh, um, in the piece I wrote for for Makery, this this piece about um, about nfts and like are they you know ethical is ethical engagement even possible That's one it. of the examples i give is the the bello uh, nft by um a group of uh of, of art workers congolese art workers associated with the institute for human activities um in congo which was founded by renzo martins and it's uh you know basically a sculpture of a brutal colonial leader was stolen from them and now sits in a museum in the US and they cannot even loan it to, to get near it. You know, it's kind of this like perverse situation. And what they've decided to do is make an NFT out of it in order to earn money from this, uh, this horrible legacy and buy land back and recreate, mm. you know, and re, you know, recreate situation mm. for themselves that is more positive for the future. And I think, you know that is one way of really doing the alchemy and turning the shit into gold and saying okay you know like this is like a um a terrible destructive situation that you're in where this sculpture has been removed the museum won't even consider loaning it to you make an nft you know and sell that and then and then uh, move forward and because of the profile of the organization i think they will sell it i think they will make make a lot of money um and that's good you know this is like a kind of restorative justice uh if you will you know but uh, but then there's you know i mean the side i talked about before is kind of kind of more difficult to to rationalize and deal with how do you deal with a hundred copies of you know an artist just trying to make a living and putting his or her work on the internet and then poof there's like a million uh, copycats on OpenSea. what do you do about that you know you right. can't even fight that hydra you know Right. So, so, so the other, the other piece that, that you came out with recently was this makery, um, mm -hmm. uh, what, what do I call it? Was it an essay? Ethical yeah. NFTs, impossibility or viable aspiration. What was the, what was the context for that? What was the motivation? Yeah, I was invited to contribute to, uh, it's a series, it's sort of a, they call, they're calling it a chain essay. So, 
the first essay was uh, by Felix Stalder. And so he kicked it off and really, you know, um, it was reflecting on, there was an, uh, you know, a, a show of digital art back in the day called Kingdom of Piracy and paying a bit of homage to that and looking at, you know, the issues of the commons that we were talking about, you know, a couple decades ago, you know, what was, you know, what were the utopian dreams of that time? And then how is, how is that discourse like coming back or not coming back? And how can we rationalize this, this new phenomenon and think about it in terms of making it a force for, for some kind of good or something that can be kind of more yeah, equitable, shared, a commons, let's say. Um, and is that so in contrast to the, to, to the, 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 what are the recurring themes, both with, for, with the other project, mm. the, the divisiveness, you know, mm -hmm. the, and the the divide, and the the fact that it it advantages certain uh, kinds of people over others, whether they have the the means and the the education, the access to technology, um, they look right for the for doing something crypto broy kind of whatever it is. Is I I I can see these two pieces in conversation in a way. Not yeah, the other ones are pieces of report, but you know those two yeah. bodies of work in yeah. conversation. So, like, whereas the one is comes across as like meant to be a we're looking at both sides evenly. We're going to divide the team in half. We're going to do it as a as a neutral report in a way. And this one's like, and the other one, the makery one, ethical engagement with NFTs, is sort of saying like, okay, this stuff's going to happen. It's going, it could go really wrong unless we think about this one particular aspect, at least. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And thinking that, you know, um, people just need to make more conscious choices. And I think that's what some of the projects I highlighted um, were trying to do is to make a conscious choice. So uh, the golden F NFT project by the Peng Collective that I also mentioned is, is you know, deliberately taking this NFT as cash machine kind of phenomena, like, oh, woo, you know, like all of a sudden geyser of money, you know, like whatever, what can we do with that? And it's like, well, we can make a commentary about how their tagline is uh, freedom of, of movement is a capitalist right, you know, and, and make a comment about that by using the money they're going to raise from the NFT to buy a so-called golden visa for an asylum seeking family. And the golden visas are this notorious backdoor to um, to the EU uh, immigration system, where if you're rich enough, you just say you're an investor, you come in and you drop, you know, whatever it is. It varies per country, and and then you just you get your passport. And you know, some some countries are more amenable to this than others. And uh, like I say, the amount varies. But you know, I loved this. I thought this was a really brilliant way of calling attention to this this huge hypocrisy. <laughs> first of all. Um, but then actually materially, I think it's quite, it's quite serious and earnest, you know, I hang out on their discord and I think they're, you know, they're not joking. Like, I think they're going to really buy um, one of these visas um, or try to, you know, and so it's, it's, uh, you know, what if you could actually do that? I'm reminded also of, you know, the, the rolling Jubilee where um, you have to remind me of the group who did it. Um, I don't remember. But anyways. Do I, should I remember? Did I forget? Maybe I'll Google it while we're talking. But um, the Rolling Jubilee was this um, this campaign that that bought medical debt from people in the U.S. and just kind of forgave it. You know, I mean, you can buy it for for much less 
than what it's um it was oh the debt collective they're called apparently yeah uh, so the debt collective uh bought all of this uh i think it was student loan debt and medical debt and just forgave it you know and it was this idea that it's so perverse and strange like one of the quirks of the system is that um buying debt if you're a if you you know say you just want to buy it you know is 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 cheap you know paying it off as an individual is is incredibly hard and and it you know it ruins lives um yeah. but you know if someone comes in and, and buys it for for pennies you know and and then turns around and says hey i've decided just to give it i want to eat this yeah. yeah it's it's wonderful you know like it's a wonderful so i love this kind of um this playing with systems of 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 monetary value really and saying like what can we do with that that's actually instead of the usual crap where everyone's just out to make as much as they as they can what can you do what can you do with it that actually changes things or or at least causes people to consider i mean i know that the rolling jubilee um raised some heckles you know i mean it was kind of like what what you know it's that's, well, not, by the, that's not the game we're trying to play that's not the game yeah yeah play fair play yeah exactly fair. and also this individualistic thing that's you know a hallmark of not just american but to an extent canadian culture too where it's kind of like you know take care of yourself find your own business you know you know if it's if you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps it's your fault you know kind of thing and and just just do it and this was like a whole other like this gift this random gift thing is a bit um, surprising, you know, and I think that's its strength too. It's kind of, you know, you don't know if the letter coming in the mail is saying you owe us, you still owe us $50,000 or saying, Hey, I decided to forgive it. Yeah. Have a nice day. Yeah. Brilliant. Cool. All right. That's it. <laughs> Long live NFTs. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, and, and you know, the other thing that came up in the report, just one last thing, is that, you know, um, yeah, this the environmental cost and thinking about that, I think that's another interesting thing, like with Ethereum, where, I mean, the big money is there, right? So, like, that's where all the, like, that's where all the collectors are. I mean, that's why you're like artist friends of mine. They're like, they're, they, they, they feel like they have to go on Ethereum despite what they know because that's that's where the that's where the whatever you want to call it that's where the liquidity is that's where the collect you the know, action is you can explain yeah. to someone how to get get on a different chain and what they need to do and right shift click on some wallet and yeah yeah so they all feel like you know there's like a real action they're missing if they're not there it's a bit like if you're an artist and you don't live in new york where you know what's wrong with you <laughs> you know like it's kind of what's what's happening to you if that's not where you live you know it's kind of um I actually did have someone say to me once something like you know Michelle I think you would do really well in New York like I don't know why you don't just move there because yeah, what's, 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 you why are you actually yeah. <laughs> and I was like oh okay I just like being quiet and over here um enjoying my Dutch cheese and, and whatever anyways but uh I think yeah, there's that whole aspect where people there's there's a kind of hope that the technology will will resolve itself so nobody wants to leave the ethereum market because it's lucrative and that's where the people are and the and the the critical mass is and the money is but um they've been promising a transfer over to uh proof of stake for for years and it's always next year it's going to happen next year you know and you know people still say it you know it's kind of as it's this you know 
um, you kind of wonder how long they'll continue to to believe in it. But eventually, it must it must happen, I suppose. And it's uh, when it does, I think that will also um, change things. That will also really shift things because you know suddenly this critical mass of people that was involved with this system that was seen as a bit you know dirty or or you know not you know not not the best option if you want to be really ethical yeah will suddenly become ethical and then it's like okay game on let's see let's see what yeah. happens there yeah cool cool thank you for thanks for you for the dispatch from uh yeah from the netherlands You're welcome all right well nice talking to you you too take care all right. ciao Bye. Cool. There she goes. That's it. Nice and tight. Please consider supporting this podcast and these special bulletins over at patreon.com slash near future laboratory. Sign up for the design fiction newsletter over at buttondown.com slash design fiction and sign up for a new improved retractable and self-driving email list where you can hear all about all the things. All those links are down below in the show notes. This is me, Julian Bleeker, and now I'm out.